And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, So you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, moon, and eleven stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his fathers as well as to his brother, brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? He asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. One of the most powerful speeches ever delivered. One of my heroes. I have a dream. At the same time, one of the most interesting characters to me in all of the Old Testament is Joseph. The story of Joseph is an amazing story of the blessings, the presence, and the providence of God. And I hope that in the, over the next few weeks as we go through the series on the life of Joseph, that you may be touched as well, just like Joseph was, by the presence of God and the providence of God. But I want to speak today about Joseph's dreams in the passage that Caleb read. The very first verse, verse 5, talks about, I have, Joseph had a dream. That dream, Melody, set the course for his life. And we need to think about it. I want to start off our series about the providence of God with talking about Joseph's dream and through God's purpose in our lives. Are you living out God's plan for you? Are you living out God's purpose for your life? Have you ever thought about what is it that God wants of me? 
I get to speak this afternoon at a commencement address, and that is a high privilege. And I realized after I was asked that, my goodness, the sermon I'm speaking this morning is a commencement address. Um, but I can't preach the same sermon twice in one day, uh, even if it's two different locations. But the whole purpose of this is to know God's purpose. But it also occurred to me, Larry, how do I share verses or chapters 37 through 50 of the book of Genesis in my introduction. Kelly, how can I tell the story? Thankfully, I, Rodney, I found this week as I was doing my reading, I remembered again that the whole story is told in a nutshell in the Psalms. It says in Psalm 105, beginning in verse 16, when he, that is God, summoned a famine on the land and broke all supply of bread, he, God, had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters, his neck was put in a collar of iron, until what he had said came to pass the word of the Lord tested him. Now, I need to explain this section briefly. Joseph was the favored son of Jacob, Israel, and he was given a, a coat of many colors. How many of you read, heard about the coat of many colors in Sunday school when you were a kid or sometime since? The coat of many colors. He was the favored son. Because of the jealousy of his brothers, he was sold into slavery and taken to Egypt. In Egypt, he served Potiphar until Potiphar's wife lied about him, accused him of sexual harassment. Now, I, I just, I'm sorry, my mind goes places that you probably would not understand. Right, Loretta? I mean, everybody has an idea that Potiphar's wife might must have been beautiful. The Bible doesn't say that. It says that Joseph was handsome. I mean, what if Potiphar's wife looked like Jabba the Hutt? The, the point is, the point is, she wished to have Joseph as her own, and he rejected her, not because of her appearance, but because of his, of his commitment to his God. So she lied, and he ended up in prison, in fetters, in a collar of iron, until after he had been there for, Todd, I've never figured out, we don't know how many years he was there. I know this, Jenny, when he interpreted the dream of the butler and the baker, I started saying the candlestick maker, but it was only two. When he interpreted the dream, he said to them, when you get back into the service, said to the butler, um, when you get, or was it the baker, when you get back into the service of the Pharaoh, Remember me, because I'm here unjustly. Two years later, the guy was forgetful. We don't know how long he was in prison, but when he interpreted Pharaoh's dream, everything changed. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the peoples set him free. 
He made him Lord, Prime Minister of his house and ruler, Prime Minister of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure. In other words, he put everybody under him except Pharaoh himself. Now that's the whole story, all those chapters, Reagan, in, in a nutshell. Some of you have read that multiple times, but not everyone has. Okay, but what we're talking about, the dream that he had, you heard Caleb read it, your brothers will bow down to you. In fact, the dream was that even his father and his mother would bow down to him. He would be over all of his family. The story begins with the revelation of God's purpose for him. If you're going to find God's purpose for your life, Catherine, you, you have to look for the way that God reveals it to you. Now, Joseph's purpose was revealed in a dream. Please remember that in that day, because this is the book of Genesis, there was not, Tony, there was not one word written of the Word of God. All of this is pre-Moses. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. There is no written word of God at all. In that day, revelations came from the mouth of God. Sometimes God sent an angel and spoke to them like he did with Abraham under the, under the tree. Sometimes they had dreams and God spoke to them through dreams. By the way, we don't need dreams anymore because we have the revelation of Jesus Christ. But God has a revelation for you. God has a dream for you. That dream, I'm using that, Jamie, euphemistically, that is, He has a purpose for you. That He will, He has something in His mind that He wants you to do, that He wants you to accomplish. Now, I will say to you, it's not your dream for yourself that's really important. It's God's dream for you. I want to say, and I may, it's not anywhere in my notes, but it hit me this morning when I was thinking about the message, Don. I, I read a book one time called Give Up Your Small Ambitions. I think that fits this sermon, Tim, perfectly. Give up your ambitions because they are too small. Listen, God has a purpose for you that if, if fulfilled will be greater than any dream, any ambition that you could ever imagine. But I want you to take this personally. Some of you don't like it when I say this, that I don't want you to take this sermon and shovel it over your shoulder. I don't want you to think about, well, so-and-so sitting on the other side of the room. They really need this. I'm, I'm talking to you and to you. I want you to take my preaching personally because God wants to speak to each and every one of you. Some of you have an idea that God has a purpose for pastors, for missionaries, and some of you think for politicians, but whatever. 
The truth is, God has a purpose for all of those, and that includes you. Have you ever thought about God has a purpose for me? In fact, just in case you have it, and I, I know you don't like participation, but I want every one of you to say out loud, in unison, God has a purpose for me, and say it right now. God has a purpose for me. Do you believe that? Man, I do. I believe that God has a purpose for every one of us. He has a dream in His heart. He has a dream in His mind of what your life can be and what you can accomplish for His glory. God has a dream for you, and it's not your dream that's important. It is His dream for you that matters. He wants to work in your life. Now, if that's going to happen, you need to find His purpose, and you don't find it in dreams. You find it in His Word. Hold your Bible up, even if it's a phone. There you go. Roger's holding his phone up. Somebody else is holding up the iPad. That's what, whatever you're reading, the Word of God the Word of God is not necessarily a book. It's words that we can read, words that we can hear, words that we can speak. God has revealed His plan and His purpose through the Word of God, the Bible. You want to know God's purpose for you? Don't sit and meditate and dream. Read the Word of God. And then meditate on what you read. Make sure you understand it. And if you don't understand it, ask someone. We, our last Sunday in, our, in the pastor's class, I've decided that we're going to have Ask the Pastor again. And there are no questions off limits. We have fun on those days. If you don't understand it, ask somebody. But God reveals His purpose in His Word. If you want to know God's purpose for your life, read your Bible. Let me tell you something. If you're not saved, you are not fulfilling God's purpose for your life. Because the Bible says He is not willing that anyone at all should perish. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all, A-L-L, that all come to repentance. That means you. Every single one of you. That means you. And if you have never come to Christ, He may say over you, one of my friends sent me a text this morning. I guess he's speaking about Luke chapter, what, where Jesus said to Jerusalem, I would have come and I would have healed you, but you would not. And I wonder how many, Don, every Sunday when I'm preaching like this, how many are sitting here and Jesus is wanting them to be saved and He is calling and they simply will not. They've made a decision, I am not going to move. I am not going to be saved. I am not going to follow the Lord in baptism. I am not going to join this church. I am not going to do what God wants me to do. You can do that. But I recommend you not. Listen, if you need to be baptized, then you're not. Then you need to obey 
what God says. I was thinking this week, um, maybe it was because of what I was reading is it, reading through the Bible, that he says, if you deny me, I will deny you before the angels of heaven. You realize that baptism is a public confession of your faith, a demonstration of your faith in God. If you need to be baptized and you're not, you are out of the will of God and you are not fulfilling His purpose. If you are living with someone that, to whom you are not married, you are not following the will of God, and you are not fulfilling His purpose. You're out of fellowship with God, and you need to get right with God. Read the Bible. What does it say? Somebody said, I don't like that preacher because of what he preached about. Hey, don't fuss at me. Talk to the author of the book. Complain to him. The Bible is the Word of God, and God does not care whether you like it or not. He designed the universe to glorify Him, and the only way you're going to do that is fulfill His purpose in your life. Read your Bible. God also leads you by the Holy Spirit. He works in your life. Not everything that you need to know is in the Bible, like which sermon to preach today. Now, Bregan, I try to be careful about blaming God on what I do. But, you know, Todd, we always hope that when we get in this pulpit, that the Spirit of God has led us to prepare a message that is going to be received by the congregation, moved upon by the Spirit of God, and that people will obey God's Word and God's Spirit when the invitation is given. Joe, I learned a long time ago not to prepare sermons for specific people. Because if you do, they won't show up. <laughs> they will be missing that morning. Boy, you know, I, I, I got this sermon and that guy needs it. Huh, forget that. You better just preach shotgun style. Everybody knows what that means, right? Actually, I, I preach specific sermons. God preached this to me because I needed it. And I just sort of pass it on to you. Let the Spirit of God work in your life. Are you open? Are you even open to the direction of the Spirit of God? And will you do what the Spirit of God says? The Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Don't resist Him. Don't disobey. Do what God wants you to do. Find His purpose in your life and fulfill it. Now, if you're going to fulfill God's purpose, once you find that purpose, or at least think you have found it, it I'll tell you young people, it took me years to boil down, God's purpose for my life was pretty broad, I thought, when I started. Now, I wasn't wrong. It just took me a long time to boil it down to a very simple statement. And it's, listen, you don't have to create your purpose. You just need to discover your purpose. When God leads by the Spirit, follow that direction, 
And when he opens a door in front of you, walk through it. Some of you have had doors open to you, to this church and service here and membership here, and you have not yet walked through it. When he opens the door to you, walk through that door. Now, it may take a while to sort of boil that down to something simple, easily stated, but you do that by walking in his spirit and walking in his way over a long period of time follow his direction but when you find that purpose you need to understand that there is a preparation that you must go through to totally fulfill God's purpose in your life that psalm says he sent someone to Egypt ahead of the nation of Israel Joseph who was sold as a slave you get that this is the man who's going to save the nation, first of all, of Egypt. You realize that? Those of you who know the story well, he saved Egypt. But he also saved Israel. And he didn't go marching into Egypt like a premier, a king, or someone in charge. He went as a slave. There is a price to pay if you're going to find God's purpose in your life and if you're going to fulfill God's purpose, you've got to be willing to pay the price. For Joseph, that meant loss of prestige. They took his coat of many colors away from him. They threw him in a pit. By the way, later, oh, I was supposed to make that in small print. That's, that's just a note that Reuben was the one later on, Bregan, who said, to the brothers, do you remember how he cried out to us in the pit? By the way, that's not revealed until that very moment. It's not in the story. It's later on. He cried out in anguish from the pit. If you think that following God's purpose in your life is always going to be easy, you are mistaken. There is, Gail, a price to pay to follow God. Sometimes Cindy is a price of anguish. But if God said to you, if God said to you, Darren, I'm going to make you a great ruler, but first I'm going to hurt you because I want you to understand there's a price to pay. Would you sign on? Amber's laughing, and I, I think sometimes uh, you're laughing at them. Okay, she just told on you. Uh, <clears throat> I think sometimes, Sharon, honestly, if we knew all that we were going to go through, I'm afraid we never would sign on, right? So why do you sign on? Shelly, you do it by faith. Lord, I know you know what you're doing, and I trust you that even if it hurts, there will be a purpose for it, and there will be good that comes from it. And you step out in faith, and you're willing to pay the price. Even the ruin of being accused of sexual assault and going to prison for years, Joseph paid the price. Oswald J. Chambers said, before God can use a man greatly, he must wound him deeply. 
I'm not sure that I knew that that's what I was signing up for when I surrendered to preach. And I haven't said this in a long time. I'm saying it now. Young man, if God's calling you to preach, don't run from it. I said, give up your small ambitions. One missionary said, do not stoop to be an ambassador for the government of Britain if God has called you to be His ambassador. Don't stoop to be a king if God's called you to be a prophet. You answer the call of God. I, Brenda and I have never regretted giving our lives to the ministry. It has been a wonderful adventure. By the way, life is always an adventure. And the sooner you look at things that you're going through as an adventure in which God has the control stick, the better you'll, you'll make it. Are you willing to pay the price for being greatly used of God? How many times have I heard young people especially say, well, listen, I want to be greatly used of God. And I want to ask them, are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to pay the price for that? You must be willing to wait. I said, I don't know how long. Joseph was 17 years old. How many 17-year-olds do we have here? Yeah, there you go. We, he was 17 years old when he was sold into slavery. He was 35 years old. How many 35-year-olds do we have in here? There, there you go. Roger, put your hand down. <laughs> God, you lie, you lie. You lie. <laughs> I can't believe you did that. <laughs> what was I saying? <laughs> Joseph was 35 years old when he came out of prison and became prime minister from 17, Karen, to 35. Now, I don't know how much of that time Noah was in prison, how much of it was Potiphar's house. We're, we're not told that. But think about the dream took place even before he was 17 years old. Carter, it was not fulfilled until he was over 35 years old. When you're seeking God's plan and the fulfillment of God's purpose in your life, you have to be willing to wait. And I want you to understand a delay may seem like a detour. Jenny, was the pit a detour, or was it God's plan? Joe, was Potiphar's house a detour, or was it God's plan? John, was the prison a detour, or was it God's plan? You see, delays and detours may, be, may seem contrary to the plan of God for us, it was not rebellion that got him there. It was God's way of putting him in the proper place at the proper time. And waiting on God may be the hardest thing you will ever do. You young people about to graduate, you're getting close, write that down. Wait, waiting on God may be the most difficult thing you will ever do. While you're waiting, you probably begin to feel like a failure. And you'll have to deal with failure. I've got 
some of you need to take a screenshot of this because I, I really don't have time to spend on this. But Archibald Hart um, wrote How to Deal with Failure. And he said, God is not in the success business. He's in the refining business. In God's economy, there really is no such thing as failure, only forced growth. Every failure is an opportunity for growth. In God's eyes, success has to do with faithfulness, not winning. Well done, thou good and faithful servant, is what we want to hear. God's prize doesn't go with, to the winner of the race, but to the one who finishes the race. That means we can all win. If you understand what success really means, faithfulness, finish the race, find God's purpose in your life, and finish the race. This is The reason he crashed and burned and took his church with him is because he did not have the maturity to handle the success he achieved. That's a preacher quote. It's from a podcast about Mars Hill. It was a crash and burn. Be careful about how you handle what the world perceives as success because there is a price to pay if you're going to fulfill his dream for you you need to recognize his placement for his purpose your for example the pit potiphar's house the prison and then finally the palace all of that was placement by god in order for the dream to be fulfilled you need to recognize God's providence, that God's providence works in our positioning. God's providence works in our positioning. In fact, I want you to know you're here in this place on this day and at this moment for a reason. You're not here by accident. I believe in the providence of God. I believe with all my heart He intended for you to hear this message. Not because I'm preaching it, because it's His Word and something got you here or someone got you here. That's the providence of God. Don't miss out on hearing God's voice. And then do what God says. Don't miss the significance of this. Because his positioning works for his purpose. Give up your dreams and find his dream for you. That's where success will lie. And that's where happiness comes. Then finally, God's fulfillment of his purpose for you. That, will, that in the story is when Joseph was made the premier of the land. He was put in charge. God fulfilled his purpose in Joseph. That purpose, Betty, saved Egypt, made them a great nation. That purpose saved, Karen, 
saved the nation of Israel from perishing and ended up giving them their land in the time of Moses. God's fulfillment of His purpose in you. I need you to understand, based on the story of Joseph, it'll come in God's time. It will come in God's time. I've already said you have to wait. The fulfillment will come in God's time. And God is not forgetful. He will have His purpose, which is His glory, done. If it doesn't happen in you, it will happen in someone else. But God's glory will come to Him. He will work things out for His glory. But it will come in His time. It may happen in an unimaginable way. The Pharaoh said, since you're so wise, we'll just put you in charge. Now, Joseph's dream, Macy, was that he would be in charge of his brothers and even his father and his mother. I don't think he ever had a dream that, that he would move to Egypt to fulfill that. It's, it may happen in an unimaginable way, but it will be greater than your dreams ever were. He was not just in charge of his family. He was in charge of two nations, Egypt and Israel. And he saved both nations from the plague. Listen to me. Look up here. I need your eyes just for a moment because I need your heart. If you find God's dream for you and you're willing to follow that rather than to pursue your dreams for yourself, God's blessing and God's fulfillment will blow your mind. It'll be greater than you could ever dreamed. Give up your small ambitions and follow the dream that glorifies God. I've got to ask you, how big is your God? How big is your God? William Carey said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. How great is your faith? You say, well, it's not very big right now. That's also why the, the apostles said when they were told how many times they were supposed to forgive one person, an endless number of times, they said, Lord, increase our faith. If we're going to pursue God's dream for us, we need Him to increase our faith. Here's the big question for right now. What does your faith tell you that you need to do right now? What does that include? What decision, what commitment have you been putting off and saying, well, I almost did that. I thought about doing that. Why didn't you? What do you need to do right now? Stand, close your eyes, please. Father, I thank you for your word. And I pray in this moment 
a fantastic movement of your spirit moving through these chairs and these aisles throughout this building and touching hearts and bringing conviction. Lord, not to my glory, but to your glory. I pray that you would move in hearts, that those who are lost in this service would come to this altar and bow and call on your name and find salvation. I pray that those who have neglected baptism would come and would follow the Lord in baptism. That those that keep saying, well, I think I ought to come, and they have not. That on this day, on this moment, they would make the decision to come to this church and say, I want to be a member. Whatever it takes, I want to be a member. And I pray that they will do that right now.